Hi, I'm Tiffany Patlin, host of the Tiffany Talks Health and Wellness Podcast, where I discuss tools, tips, and techniques to heal your mind, body, and soul. I am on a godly mission to heal the world. faithful listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Tiffany Talks Health and Wellness Podcast. Today we have a return guest, John Callis, speaking on the very controversial and important topic, how to end abortions. Thanks for joining us again, John. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. In um, episode 70, John bravely shared about his childhood trauma and how he's now happy and healthy living as a successful Hollywood director. He's also the author of the book, When the Rain Stops, and a mental health advocate. Um, John actually also wrote an amazing article called The Good Men Project, and it's titled How to End Abortions and Their Trauma. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, When John and I first met, this is one of the topics that came up, and I was like, well, we have to do an episode all on its own because... Like I said, controversial, important. Everybody seems to have an opinion, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but you and I both are in agreement that we need to find a way to stop abortions. We need to make it so it's a fair playing field for both the male and female. So yeah, it's got to be a way um, and a solution to make it reasonable. And I think I may have a, I do have a solution. I don't know if it's going to be a, controversial but maybe perhaps it is you know some people i mean everybody has an opinion right it just it is what it is but i really love your solution um because and i just want to share a couple statistics from the uh from who the world health organization just to give people who might not know a little idea um six out of ten of all unintended pregnancies end in an induced abortion Around 45% of all abortions are unsafe, and 97% of those take place in developing countries. So for people to say like, oh, that's where they don't have clean utensils and things like that, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Unsafe abortion is a leading but preventable cause of maternal deaths and morbidities. It can lead to physical and mental complications and social and financial burdens for women, communities, and health systems. So it is a problem, even for those who are for it, it's it's a problem. Um, and I know that a lot of people say that it's health care, but personally, personal opinion here, I believe life's, life is sacred and it doesn't matter what size you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. Life is sacred and it deserves to be protected. People say that uh, we must, prote- um, you know, that we have a right to our bodies well, just because something is small doesn't give it a right to not have a voice to have say a yes or no. You know what I mean? Like there's there's so much gray area. There's so much 
there's just so much there. So why not figure out a way to end it? And I know you have a solution. So would you share that with us, please? Sure. Um, this came out of a genesis of an idea that I was thinking about. I was saying, what is the function of men in the whole pregnancy process in the first place? And that's pretty much we uh, fertilize and our mission's over, basically. I mean, it's really up to the woman and what her body does with the growing embryo and so on and so forth. And I thought, regardless of what side of the issue you're on, pro or anti-abortion, it seems that it's all being put on the woman, her body, her choice, and so on and so forth. So I thought to myself one night, how do we make this a fair and equitable exchange? And I thought, okay. Most women over a lifetime probably spend around $38,000 in birth control. So what that does is it gives an opportunity to stop the, the pregnancy in the first place, but that's not a guarantee. And not all women want to take it because there are medical reasons, uh, religious reasons, and so on. So I said to me, myself, how do we make it fair for the male to, to now participate? And I thought, if we're going to control when the, the child is deemed alive, then how do we get it so that we don't have that conversation anymore? Well, my solution is that it would become a requirement when a male reaches maturity and able to procreate, he is required to get a reversible vasectomy. Now, I know people are going to argue, well, why should the man do this? Well, why should the woman do this? So let's make it a fair and equal partnership, 50-50. If I had uh, a daughter, I would expect she would take care of herself. I have two boys I've taught them about safe sex and the ramifications of having a child uh, out of wedlock and, and not need it. So the problem then becomes solved because if you decide to have a child, then you know you're not gonna have an abortion because you have gone to a medical procedure to reverse the vasectomy and have the baby. So that now takes so much off the table um, that there's no more discussion because if two people decide to have the child, they, they have to have the medical procedure. I absolutely love this idea. I can't think of a reason not to do it. Um, I know that when women have to get, you know, their tubes tied, um, there can be severe complications with that. And from my understanding, it's a lot easier and more simpler, less complicated and um, there's less of a risk for the man to do that than it is for the women. Have you heard that? I have. And as a matter of fact, I did a little polling. Uh, some of my friends have had vasectomies. And I said, did it hurt? And I said, no. I said, any problem with your sexuality? And I said, absolutely none. Don't notice a thing that's different. Uh, the difference is I can't get my wife pregnant, which is what the whole idea was. And I said, and you did a reversible one or just a straight one? And he said, no, it's reversible. But, you know, I... We have kids, so we probably will never need it again. I did it mostly for my wife so that she didn't have to go on birth control. And then we didn't have to worry about having a, an unwanted pregnancy. I love that so much because it gives you more freedom to choose. Exactly. Um, and I know that a lot of women have complaints about birth control that as they've gotten older, they've had negative side effects. And then I also hear a lot of women say that they use birth control to regulate their menstrual cycle or to relieve the pain from um, their menstrual cycle. But I would encourage women to look outside of that holistically. There must be a reason. There's natural 
herbs. There's other things that one can take that would not have the side effects that birth control might have. It might seem like it's helping in the moment, but it can also hurt in the long run. And we don't, you know, I care about women's health. I don't want that for women, you know. Um, well, we, we don't want it for anybody. I mean, everybody's body is different. So your body may require more salt. Mine may require less. I may need more vitamin D. You may need less. So it's very important to make sure that you and your health practitioner are on the same page about what your needs are. Agreed. And I really love it because it also gives you the option to reverse it when you do want to have children. Um, one of the other ideas that I have that I think is controversial, people argue about it all the time. And I wanted to see what your thoughts were, John, about how I believe that, and this is the way that I'm raising my, my teens. I have one teen. Um, he's a 16-year-old boy. Thank God he is still a virgin. Um, I hope one day he doesn't see this and get mad at me for saying that. <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm raising my son to understand how sacred and precious it is to be with another person. Um, to just give yourself away to, you know, to developing soul ties. And a lot of parents I see on teen support groups that I'm a part of to offer support um, often have the complaint that their young teens, I'm talking about even as young as 13, even some as 12 and 11, parents are sharing that they know of 12-year-olds that are sexually active. And my mind is just... I mean, I can't wrap my head around that because I feel like as parents, we have a responsibility to protect our children. I mean, their brains are not even fully developed until the age of 25. And the way that I see it is if unless a teenager who's 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, even 18 years old, when the government views them as an adult, even though I believe they still aren't, but it's what the government says, that um, they are not even mentally, let alone financially, equipped to take care of a baby. And the reason why I think it's important to look at that is because accidents happen, even with condoms, even with birth control, because they are not 100%. So why not instead get your children in activities, in sports, in this and that? I had another parent mention how her daughter doesn't even have time to do those things because she's in all these sports and she's having all this fun, all these activities, learning and growing, which is what I believe teenagers are supposed to be doing. The more involved they are in all of these activities and all these things, the more they can learn about what life has to offer. And I feel they're more equipped to think about what direction they want to go to in their life. They actually can go to college. They can do all these things and then wait you know, that doesn't mean that you can't be friends with somebody or date somebody. But, you know, if it's meant to be, guess what? They're going to be there. They're going to be there when you're done with college or even if you don't go to college. But later on in life, when you're more mentally stable, you know, you're equipped, you're you've got some experience under your belt. And not only that, you could get the vasectomy because I don't think that you can get that at a young age. What's the age limit on that? Uh, I honestly don't have an answer for you. I don't want to mislead your audience or anything. So I, I would have to do a little digging into it. But I, I would guess that anyone under 18 would have to get parental uh, consent to do it. And then I think the second part of that is I think you need to go through a physical with your doctor and he or she needs to approve that you're in physical condition and there would not be any complications in doing it. So, but you said something really interesting at the beginning of this, uh, which was, you want to teach your kids how special that moment can be. 
And I think that that's fundamentally missing in parents teaching their children about sex. And 12, 13, 14, 15, I think is way too early myself. Um, I agree with what you said about you're basically young ones. So enjoy it without the burden of trying to raise a child because you're still a kid yourself. You don't have life experience. And, and you're right. About 2025 is when you start understanding where you fit in the world. You start sort of in the mode of working and you've got some things happening. Now you can re do a little refocusing. But what's really important is when, when I was growing up, we used to uh, have this saying, uh, I want to get inside your head. And what that meant is you would sit and talk to a guy or a girl, depending on what your choice is, and you would talk and you would get so deeply involved in each other that, you know, the, the only logical step to getting into the soul would be to make love. But, but again, we were adults and we took precautions and everything. We weren't 11 and 12 years old running around. So those, those special moments to create a soul to soul have got to be uh, implanted in our children's mind that it's not just a, oh, wow, I got sex last night with so-and-so you know it's it's yes it has to be fun too of course it does um but it it also has to have that specialness to it and, and that's what's missing yes i agree wholeheartedly it's we are human beings wired for that wonderful beautiful connection with that one person not with a whole slew of people you know and not only that the the beauty about waiting till you're married to have sex is that you know, if you're financially responsible, not getting married at a young age either, because I think that's another responsible decision people need to make is not to get married so young. Why rush it? If you love each other, be together, date, spend time with each other, you know, but if again, if it's meant to be, guess what? They're going to be there, whether it's two years, five years, 10 years, however long you want to wait, they'll still be there. And when you decide that you're financially stable, ready, done with college, you guys have both done your things, you're whole and complete in a sense, you come together to enjoy each other's lives, not to be one thing for the other person because you're, you're already whole, you're, you know, you're just well equipped. And then when you do have sex, of course, it's going to be fun because you're going to be having it with your wife or your husband, the person that you love, that you just have this solid relationship with. And guess what? If you get pregnant, that's amazing because you are married to the man that you love, that you've spent so much time with. You know how they are when they get angry, you know, how they, you know, treat, you know, elderly, you know, like these are important things that I think people need to know about people instead of just rushing to get married. And I know some people get married after a month and they're still happily married till this day. There's special circumstances out there. That's not what I'm talking about, but I think there's a, a lot of beauty in waiting to get married and people say, well, it's just not like that anymore. And yeah, it's dying out. But as parents, we're the ones that have the choice to change that. And I'm one of them. I'm doing that. I'm teaching my son to my sons, all three of them to respect women, you know, mm -hmm. that women's bodies are beautiful and they were made to procreate and that a life is, you know, sacred, it is special, it deserves to be protected, you know, all these things, because I believe that that starts from home. If I don't teach them, who will? Yeah, good points. Um, I think part of the problem with divorce rates so high that it, in today's society is it's a fast food generation. If something's not working, you just move on. Um, I like what you said about date, date, date. If it's one year, five years, 10 years, it doesn't matter because in that process, you, uh, old school, I, I, I totally admit I'm old school. 
it's the courtship part that's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's the time of your life. There's no responsibility. There's no nobody saying when's the marriage, when's the marriage, because you're not engaged yet. So you can take time to do what you can make that soulmate your best friend. And the beauty of this is that when you get into an argument, and my wife and I have done this with each other, sometimes it's so intense that you know it's wife against husband, and one of us has often said, okay. Let's stop for a minute. This is, I'm too frustrated to talk about this. I don't want to talk to you as my husband. I don't want to talk to you as my wife. I want to talk to you as my friend. I need my friend right now. I don't need my wife. I don't need my husband. I need my friend. And the basis of the, all the courtship is the foundation of that friendship, which will make a successful marriage. Because when you get to that point, you're able to discuss things, have uncomfortable conversations, and then move on. Uh, and I'll give you a prime example. We, when we had our second child, um, after a while, I sat my wife down and I said, I, I have a problem. She goes, what's the problem? I said, this is really uncomfortable. Please hear me out. She said, okay, what, what's up? I said, I think you're an amazing mother. You give the kids every single thing I would ever hope a mother could possibly give, including me when I get cookies, which I like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I noticed myself looking at other women. She goes, okay, what does that mean to you? I said, I'm not going to act on it, but I'm, I'm noticing I have a need that's not being fulfilled. And I know you're tired. I know you're exhausted and I'll do anything to support that. She goes, I'm really sorry that, that uh, I've ignored you. I said, I, I don't feel ignored. I just, uh, I think your energy is diverted to the kids, which as I said, should be. And after that, it, it's resolved itself because we communicated and we were friends about it. And I expressed what was going on because I'm not going to act on it because I love her too much. So I think that's the key to some of the soulmate development through friendship, like you were saying about dating. Uh, and I agree with you coming from the other side because I didn't grow up that way. Those of you out there that know my story, you know, growing up with um, sexual abuse, you know, I, I didn't get to have that special precious moment in time and i wish i did um and not having that i admire women out there that i see that have the ability to wait to have courtships man i didn't realize how precious i was as a child of god in the eyes of god as i see myself now i saw you know i when people have trauma, they tend to go on a path of self-destruction and you don't even really mean to do that. And I didn't see myself as special, as sacred, as anything. I, you know, was used and abused and that's how I saw myself. So now that I'm older and I have, I come from a healed mindset, I look at these things and I can see how beautiful and precious um, you know, taking care of yourself, honoring yourself, waiting, you know, waiting for the right person. And not only that, it comes with less drama, <laughs> so much less drama. And man, just hearing you talk about it, John, having that wonderful foundation of a friendship, that's the foundation. It's a solid friendship. You know, it's not based on sex. It's not based on anything else, but that solid connection that friendship and i think that's absolutely beautiful and i believe it like i felt that in my heart when you said that 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 makes it so that way a marriage can last longer 
because you're not just coming in. Oh, I like you. I'm attracted to you. Oh, we have sex. Oh, now we're dating. Oh, now let's get married. And then it's just like, whoa. And then that's when you have that fast food thing. Like, oh, it's not working. Let's just give up. Well, what's your foundation? Yeah. You have that open communication. And I, and I'm admitting it here, you know, with me and my husband, my husband and I became instant parents because I already had my, my oldest son. I met my husband when I was going to school and I would bring my son in his little carrier to school because I was determined to finish, to have a good education, to get a good job, to take care of my child. And it was hard and it's still hard. I want to know my husband on that deep level that I've never been able to experience. We have moments, but man, to have a courtship wow like old school that's the ticket and, but it works you know it's funny because my wife once said to me uh why don't you start counseling people on relationships because you're so good at talking to, to people and getting them to resolve stuff i said uh it's not my thing and um but it got me thinking and i started writing a series and it's on uh, medium.com i'm on uh eight of 30. so i wrote 30 reasons why our 30 plus year marriage has lasted. And so I just posted it once on TikTok and a pretty well-known reporter wrote back and said, I love this. So I thought, okay, so then I decided to write the series. So now I'm up to number eight and uh, it lists all of the reasons why our marriage worked. And then she said to me when I said, um, did you ever make a list of what you wanted in a marriage? I said, you know, it's funny you said that because I just found it last week. And she said, Anne, I said, I wrote a list, not just about the marriage, but how I wanted my life to, to look and feel. And she goes, Anne, I said, I can sit back and smile because everything on that list I have, I've wanted a beautiful wife. I wanted kids. I wanted a, a place to live, a food on the table, a job, a successful career, and to be happy. And every single thing on my list I got because I created a plan to make it happen. I didn't just do an airy fairy, <clears throat> this is life and I'll figure it out as I go. I sat down after getting through my traumas as a kid and, and the stuff we talked about on the last uh, time we met, um, I needed a plan to, to rewrite my life. And so I took it like a writer would, a blank piece of paper and said, okay, how do you want your life to look? Only you can make it that way, only you can change it, only you can own it. And if I had a daughter, I would have her do the similar exercise because I, would want to empower her never to feel um, anything less than a powerful, beautiful girl that she is. Mm -hmm. And I would also guide her in, in making her understand, look, mm -hmm. because you're not going to have sexual relations at a young age, you're going to be called a prude and a this and a that. You need to smile and recognize those are not the people you need to be around because they're toxic mm -hmm. and they're not going to support you and they're not going to bring you up. So you just simply say, they're not the right people for me. You don't badmouth them. You don't say, oh, you know, you don't get into the childish stuff. You just simply be assured from the foundation you've been given from your parents that you are beautiful and you deserve the best and they're just not the right group. Oh, that's... That's beautiful and right on point because I know there's a saying about how you become you or you are influenced by the five people you surround yourself with the most. So if you're surrounding yourself with people that are telling you you're a prude, that are off having sex, this, that, and the other, the peer pressure will get to you. Yeah. So if that is something that's important to you, then I would recommend 
choosing better friends to associate with, you know, to be with, to, to choose those people that you look up to that are living that life, that lifestyle that you want to live. Um, because I think that's really, really important for everybody. And I know this topic is about how to end abortions and I love your solution about the vasectomy, but I think it goes back further. And that's where I think it really does start with us parents educating our children and, and doing our best to teach them that, you know, that, that we're important, we're precious, we're sacred. We deserve to wait. Like it actually benefits us to wait. It really does. Cause we're not saying, Oh, you're never going to have sex. No. Oh, you will. You will. If you wait, it's going to be better than ever before because you're not going to have all of this extra excess drama baggage from broken relationships that you bring into another relationship because a lot of people do that and don't realize it because I know for me, unfortunately, I didn't know, and this might seem silly to some people, but this is because of the trauma and how I was raised, you know, being abandoned by my parents and how I grew up. I didn't know that it was actually healthy to heal after breaking up in a relationship. I didn't know any better. I was always just in another relationship because there was always another guy. Always, oh, oh, I guess I'll go try this guy out. Oh, I guess I'll go try that guy out. My self-worth was not up to par. And I look at that and it's it's sad, but it's not who it's not the truth of who I was. Those were just symptoms, if you will, of my trauma. And now that I see that, know that and understand that I've changed that, you know, I'm married now and I have my husband. And even though we didn't start off, you know, the way I would have liked, you know, we have an opportunity to raise our sons in that way. And as parents have that. I know some, a mom on social media kind of laughed at it, laughed at the idea saying we can't stop teens from having sex any more than we can stop or that any more than we can stop a fish swimming. And I was like, are you kidding me? Okay. So with that logic, we should let kids do drugs because we can't stop them. We can't stop them or anything. So let them play in the middle of the street. Let them do all. What's the point of being a parent then if we're just going to let them do whatever they want? Like, that just does not make sense to me. What are your thoughts on that, John? Well, I think you're, you're spot on because uh, I don't want to get too far off topic, but there was an incident where there was a mass shooting and the parents admitted that they walked into their son's room multiple times and he had Nazi flags up and they were stepping over war things and he wound up becoming a mass shooter. And so that logic the woman gave is really, uh, I'm sorry, it's really off base uh, because the foundation of a family is exactly that you you're responsible for this child's mind they have no outside influence whatsoever so by the time they do start getting outside into the world and socializing you should have by then developed uh, in them a sense of self-worth and a sense of fair play and learn to be polite kind and friendly and inclusive to all people around you you don't see color you don't see uh girls fat white blue green yellow tall skinny blonde red you see them as a human being first and foremost. And those are some foundations that, yeah, you can't catch a fish that's swimming or whatever she said was silly analogy, but um, it's our responsibility. And I think it goes back again to the fundamentals you and I were talking about, which is the whole concept of starting out as friends and over the period of time before you get married, you've discussed all these things. You didn't just rush into a marriage and say, Oh, by the way, how do you feel about religion, God? How do you feel about this? 
those conversations need to be had over a long period of time. You don't go on a first date and start saying, so what's your political views? You know, you, it's not a good idea. Or, you know, uh, you're going to have sex on the third date or the fourth. You, you don't do that kind of stuff. You, you talk to each other, you know, you got to go through the silly conversation. What, what's your favorite color? Uh, you know, do you like taking walks? You know, I love walking too. You know, keep it light. It doesn't have to get into this heavy stuff. You know, it's almost like today's standards is you go out on a date and you interview the other person. No, because anyone <laughs> their right mind can do a good interview. It's it's what happens on long term things. I mean, do you have a foundation with your friend who, who will become your 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 uh, mate in life? If you can develop that, why can't you do the same with your children? Now, roses just don't blossom. They grow, they open up slowly, and they flower. And because of that, we get to witness the beauty of it opening, and we get the fragrance and the, the longevity of the life of the rose. Well, the same with a child. Their minds are like a, a budding flower that's starting to expand. And how we nurture them and, and feed them, if you want, information in their mind, what they see on TV, what you teach them how to read, how to play games and stuff, if they have a brother, how to interact. And those kind of foundations will make a much stronger person and less prone to going out and shooting somebody or getting into trouble with the cops or doing stupid stuff, basically. Yes, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, another thought came to me when you were explaining all that is another benefit to actually waiting to have children before you get or even let alone get married is that as you're growing through life, you change. Yeah. So I know I'm not the same as I was when I was a teenager, let alone in my 20s, let alone in my 30s. We change. So if you wait till you're past the adolescent age, you know, past that around the 25 mark, I think that's, that's just more beneficial to you. It just benefits people better to have that. I think it's I think it's undervalued. And I think as parents, you know, we just need to do better. And, you know, if any parent out there is listening and wants help, I know I'm willing to help you. I know John's willing to help you. He's a mental health advocate. He's got a lot of knowledge under his belt. I mean, the whole point of us doing this podcast was to share John's amazing solution, you know, and how to end abortion and the trauma, because there's a lot of trauma that comes with it that people don't talk about. And, you know, um, I've practiced self-forgiveness, but I think I'd be lying if I didn't say that, you know, there's still some layers of healing I have to do around because I myself experienced abortions. I did it three times and mm. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I didn't realize I look back and I, you know, I hated myself for a long time because I couldn't believe I did that. I didn't understand what I was doing. And when I realized what I was doing, I was just like, oh my gosh, but that's not something you can undo. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about speaking on um, abortion because I know firsthand the trauma that comes with it. And I still deal with it to this day. It's not something that I would ever, you know, push for, advocate for, and I know there's a lot of talk about, well, what about if you're raped and you get pregnant? Well, mine were forceful pregnancies. My boyfriend would not get off me and forcefully impregnated me. Why did I let him do it a second time? That just goes to show you how mentally unstable I was, that I stayed with the guy. It took three times before finally I, I woke up 
And I was just like, I cannot be with this person. And I, you know, I, I know a lot of times we say, I wish we couldn't go back and change it, but you know, I can't, it's true. Like I do have those moments where I wish I could go back and undo it and change it, but I can't, what I can do is share my testimony, share the truth with people that there is trauma. There are better ways to prevent this, that we are special. We deserve to be protected. It benefits us to wait. And like we, like, you know, John mentioned about the divorce rates, you know, and I think, you know, John and I both just really have a passionate heart and we care about people. And so this isn't to badmouth anybody, make anybody feel bad or, or anything like that whatsoever. We're just trying to give people new perspectives, other perspectives, other solutions, options, and, you know, just support, just support. I want to support everybody out there. And John, do you have any last words for people before we let them go? I do. I want to comment on what you just said, because I think it's important. You'll, you'll hear the term all the time. You need to forgive the other person for what they did. And I say nonsense. The only person you need to forgive is yourself. It's a mindset uh, thing, but you have to forgive yourself for the decisions you made that later you decided were wrong. So at the time you made the decision, own it. That's fine. You made a mistake forgive yourself because the trauma inside will start dissipating and you'll be able to, to let it go. There's nothing you can do about what's happened, but you can damage what's moving forward by not forgiving yourself. Mm. So be kind to each other out there. Mm, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. John's website is at the bottom. I encourage you to check it out. Check out all his publishings, his writings, his books. Um, he's a wonderful mental um, health advocate. Thank you, John, for joining us today. Thank you. That's it for us, and we'll see you listeners on the next episode. Bye now.